Methods instead of meekness. Gimmicks instead of gospel power. That's what our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, says we need to avoid in our churches today. Welcome to Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, welcoming you aboard the Bible bus. And today our study brings us back to Job chapters 32 and 33, where we're going to see the truths that we're learning apply directly to issues that we face today. So grab your copy of God's Word and find your place on the Bible bus. And while you do that, I want to share this letter that comes to us from a listener named Emily. Here I am listening to your program over the Internet. I'm amazed and grateful for this teaching. May this mail also bless, encourage, and strengthen you as you pursue these goals and projects. May the Lord cover all of them, and may He open new doors that are still closed. Many blessings. Well, thanks so much for the encouragement, Emily. And then here's an email sent to us from Julie in San Francisco. I'm so happy to have found your program, Julie says. I've already studied the book of Hebrews with you and have moved on to 1 Samuel. I can't stop reading and studying the Word of God. It's hard to believe. What an extraordinary gift you have given. Thank you. Well, welcome aboard the Bible bus, Julie. It's great to have you join us. Now, next we hear from Jaden in San Antonio, Texas. I'm 15 years old and try to listen as much as possible. I've recently begun downloading your materials from the website. I read a lot and am grateful to have so many things to choose from. Well, it's great to hear from you too, Jaden, and I'm glad that you're taking advantage of the many free resources that we offer at ttb.org. And now our last note comes to us from a listener of our English program, but in Africa. I have listened to your programs in the Psalms and Second Samuel. I'm currently visiting family in the United States, but my home is in Iswatini. One day, I hope to preach as well as you do and bring God's word to the people of my country. Please pray that I may receive an adequate education and continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what's your story? You know that we'd love to hear about what you're learning as we travel through God's word together. Is there maybe a specific book or a study that's been particularly meaningful to you? Well, why don't you tell us about it? You can email us at BibleBus at ttb.org. You can always write to us at Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109, or in Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Or call and leave your story on our message line at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Remember that hearing from you is always such an encouragement to us, so please set aside some time today and get in touch. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you're sovereign and that we can trust you with the details of our lives. Help us to commit to your power and see your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's begin our study of Job 32 and 33 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, I want today, as we come back to the 34th chapter, just to make a recap very briefly of the message here of this man, Elihu, the three friends of Job, they are through. And I would say it's a standoff. If anyone won, it was Job. I don't really feel that he's won. It's just more or less of a standoff. And they just stop. They are through. And I think they're still on the sidelines, but they do not speak any longer. And we read in chapter 32, verse 1, So these three men ceased to answer Job, because he was righteous in his own eyes. And these men absolutely exhausted their arsenal of weapons, one speaking from experience and one from tradition and the other from the point of legality. 
And all they did was just put this man Job on the defense and brought out clearer Job's unjudged, unsubdued, unmortified nature. Nowhere through here do you hear this man saying, I'm undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Nowhere does he say so far that I know that within me, within my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And he has done nothing in the world but boast of his self-righteousness. And friends, the interesting thing about it, it was true to a certain extent. He had all of these qualities. God, at the very beginning, had called attention to this man, that he was a righteous man. He'd made all the sacrifices. But you know, you can still do that. And I'm convinced that you can be fundamental today and be the grossest kind of a sinner. That is, be filled with pride and boasting. And you remember what Paul said relative to this matter of boasting. He said in Romans 3:27, where is boasting then? And Paul answered, it's excluded. For the child of God, my friend, there's no place for boasting at all. And God's rulership of this world and of his universe is that every mountain is to be brought low. And it's the valleys that are to be exalted. And God's moral government has made it so that that which is high and lifted up must be brought down. And every knee must bow. Everyone must be brought low before him. And the only safe way to travel through this world is to take the shady path of humility. That is the only one. Now, this man, Elihu, he was antagonized. He was angry because Job made himself righteous. And also because the friends weren't able to answer him. And they had actually misrepresented God. And to tell the truth, both Job and his friends, both of them misrepresented God, and that's the reason neither one could get a victory. And so this young man, Elihu, is waited. Now, he doesn't have all the answers. fact of the matter is, God had to break in, as he's the only one, as we've indicated, that can answer a proud heart. He's the only one that can meet boasting. There are certain people today that you just can't argue with, you can't talk with. Someone from time to time will say, well, I have a brother or a sister or a brother-in-law or an uncle. He's gone off in a certain cult. How do you talk to him? He won't listen. Well, my friend, those folks you don't talk to, you pray for them. You can't argue with them. Only God can deal with the boasting and the proud heart of man. Now, this man, Elihu's going to speak, though, And the thing that we can do is to pray for individuals like that and to give the Word of God. And that's the way this man wants to speak. He indicated that he was speaking by the Spirit of God. Verse 4 of chapter 33, "...the Spirit of God hath made me, the breath of the Almighty hath given me life." God is the Creator, and he's going to speak by the Spirit of God. He says these other men haven't been able to answer him, and he said, he's going to try it now. And you remember Peter put it like this in his epistles. He said, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. I would like to write this up 
in the chapel of every seminary in this country today. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. You're not speaking for God today as a minister. I do not mean to be brutally abrupt, but I'm going to be. Shut up. You've got no business talking. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God man came to me up in the San Francisco Bay area just shortly, and he said to me, he said, my, you sound very dogmatic. I said, yes, I'm glad that that got through to you, that I'm dogmatic. He said, there are other ways of looking at the Bible. And I discovered that he was a legalist, by the way, felt you should keep the Ten Commandments. And he began to approach it from the other side. He said, have you ever thought that there might be another explanation? Well, yes. I said there was a time when I used to think that probably there were several ways. But I said the more that I've studied the Word of God, I've come to the conclusion that the way God saves is by grace. And I said, I'm dogmatic about it. I'm dogmatic, I said, about quite a few things that are in the Word of God. And it's because the Word of God is dogmatic. I'm dogmatic about the deity of Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. I'm dogmatic about the fact that he's virgin-born, performed miracles, died a substitutionary death, rose bodily from the grave, ascended back into heaven, and is seated today at God's right hand, and he's the living Christ right now, and he's coming someday. I said, Brother, I'm dogmatic. And this fellow looked at me, and he said, Then I guess there's no use me talking with you. Well, I said, If you have something else to present, a different viewpoint, you'll be wasting your time, I can assure you. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Now, there's such thing as dogmatic ignorance, of course. But I'm saying that when you're speaking for God, the Word of God, if you can't be sure of it, then you haven't anything to say at all. Have you ever noticed when this man, Zacharias, before John the Baptist was born, he just couldn't believe it. His wife, Elizabeth, was going to have a son, and he was struck dumb. He had nothing to say till the boy was born. You see, unbelief is always dumb. It hasn't anything to say. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't talk a whole lot. talks a great deal. Now, any ministry, therefore, is powerless valueless and fruitless, unless a man is speaking as the oracle of God. And I like this man, Elihu, here, although he doesn't have all the truth. And we find here that he begins now by making it very clear that far as he's concerned, that he's nothing, and that the all-sufficiency is with God, and that actually that was Job's problem. He didn't take the place of nothingness, and that God was all-sufficient. And that's the only way that I think that any man could have an effective ministry. We are teaching today methods instead of meekness. We are teaching gimmicks instead of gospel power. And that is the thing that I believe is needed. Now, here in this 32nd chapter of Job, verse 21 and 22, and let me read it again. Let me not I pray you accept any man's person, neither let me give flattering titles unto man. For I know not to give flattering titles, in so doing my Maker would soon take me away. I like that. I've never been good myself in the ministry of buttering up other men, especially other ministers. And I 
try to stay in the realm of truth and not stretch the truth at all. And I do believe that this idea of applauding and exalting other men is a stench in the nostrils of God. It's the important thing that we not attempt to butter up man, not attempt to flatter man. Unfortunately, there are too many Christians that have got their tongues black from licking shoe leather. And I believe if you bow to the Lord Jesus Christ that you won't need to do so much shoe licking. I think we could eliminate a great deal of that. Now, this man, Elihu, again, I'm giving a recapitulation today because I think this is so important through here to see the thing that he is bringing out here. And he has two, I think, elements in his ministry that these others lacked. One was grace and the other's truth. Remember, it was said that even John the Baptist came according to the law and that the law came by Moses and those that followed him. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And this man here who lived so long before the Lord Jesus Christ, he actually had an insight that is amazing, though he did not have a complete understanding at all. Now, the thing that he's emphasizing here is a truth the other man did not emphasize at all, that man must be brought to know himself, to see his true condition, to confess what he really is. And Job needed that. He did not know himself, and he didn't know his friends, and his friends could not give him that knowledge. And that was the difficulty. And, of course, there's absolutely no grace in what they had to say to him. The point was, you're a hypocrite, you're guilty of some awful sin, or it wouldn't happen to you, and God would be unjust if he let it happen to you. And, of course, that was the position Job was going to take, that, my, all this has happened to me, and God had no right to let it happen because God is just. But, you see, you haven't told all the truth, and you haven't brought in the grace of God when you talk like that. It's all legalistic. And now he begins here in chapter 33, and let me just go over this again for a moment. He says, Wherefore, Job, I pray thee, hear my speeches, hearken to all my words. Behold, now I have opened my mouth, my tongue hath spoken in my mouth. My words shall be of the uprightness of my heart, and my lips shall utter knowledge clearly. This is something very important. And actually you have here a foregleam, as it were, of the incarnation. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. God is the Creator. If thou canst answer me, set thy words in order before me. Stand up. Behold, I'm according to thy wish, and God's stead, I also am formed out of the clay. And this man wants to stand as a mediator between Job and God. Now, obviously, he's not the man, but it reveals the great need here of a man like that. And the important thing that Elihu's going to make very clear is God is right in all that he does, and that God has created man, and God is responsible to no one. He doesn't have to answer to anyone. Verse 13, Why dost thou strive against him? For he giveth not account of any of the matters. Job needs to understand God didn't have to report back to any board. He is not responsible to any group. 
and he's not subject to public opinion. God doesn't move like that. Men do. Now, there is a great truth that he is going to emphasize here, and that is that this man Job is saying, I'm clean without transgression. I'm innocent. There's no iniquity in me. And he makes this great statement here. He says, God is greater than man. And that's a simple statement, and yet it's a great statement because so many people take the place of God today. A lot of Christians do, by the way. They propose to tell you why certain things happen. I hear some Christians, it seems to me, that they at least they feel they've got a private line into heaven. They get the latest, you know, just right off the wire. I doubt that sincerely. I do not believe that at all, that we're not greater than God. There's a great deal we don't know. But there's one great truth. You find it, for instance, in Psalm 11, 5. And that is the whole sense. Now, the argument of this man, Elihu, God trieth the righteous. In Psalm 11, 5, God trieth the righteous. And there's no grace and truth in what these other men had said. But there's grace and truth both in this. God trieth the righteous. God has a purpose back of it all. And he's doing it for a purpose. And this man Job made himself why he is pure. And he's in a position that God has made a big mistake to treat him as he has. In other words, he's greater than God. It's a simple statement, but this is the thing that's in the heart of a great many folk today, not just the atheist, and not just the agnostic, not just the unbeliever. But many believers take that kind of a position, and we need to recognize God is greater than man, and he's not responsible to you, friends. Now, great men, why does God let this happen to me? Well, I guess he'll have to get out a special delivery letter or send you a telegram, let you know. No, he doesn't. You're to trust him, my friend. He's greater than you are, and he moves in truth and in grace. And what God does, God is right in doing this. And he goes on to say here, Why dost thou strive against him? In 33, 13, He giveth not account of his matters. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. How many times does God have to say it to us? In a dream, in a vision of the night. And I still believe it's possible out on the frontier. But God is speaking in his word today, friends. You've got the word of God don't trust any dream you have. God is speaking to you in his word. And what does he want to do? That he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man. And the problem with Job is he had an awful disease. It was bad as cancer. It's the cancer of the spirit. And that is pride. Oh, the proud heart of man today. And my friend, I see it my life. Do you see it in your life? Oh, how we need to just grovel in the dust today and put on sackcloth and ashes because we're the kind of folk we are. Now, Job's false reasoning is to be found, therefore, in just a very simple thing. He did not understand the character of God. And since he didn't, he didn't understand God's dealings with him. But God was dealing with Job, and he wanted to hide pride from him. He's going to take pride out of that man's life. He's a good man. 
He's a great man, Job was. I wouldn't want to take anything from him. But he's a low-down sinner, just like you are and just like I am. And because of that, these little things get into our lives. Oh, they're little things to us, but they're big things, and they're pride. And, you know, we today, we get angry with people and individuals and influences and anybody that dares criticize us find fault. Well, some of you have already tuned me out because you say, I'm not going to let that preacher tell me that I'm a low-down sinner and that sort of thing. It's none of his business. And it isn't any of my business, but it's God's business. Now, God trieth the righteous, and he withdraweth not his eyes from them. And we're in his hands, and we're under his eye continually, and we are the objects of his deep and tender and unchanging love. But we're also the subjects of his wise and his moral government. And he doesn't want spoiled brats, my friends. Now, again, will you listen to him in 33:29? Lo, all these things worketh God oftentimes with man, to bring back his soul from the pit to be enlightened with the light of the living. Mark well, O Job, hearken unto me, hold thy peace, and I'll speak. If thou hast anything to say, answer me. Speak, for I desire to justify thee. If not, hearken unto me, hold thy peace, I'll teach thee wisdom. Now, this is the same thing that God wants to do for believers today. There are things, for instance, you ought to consider Hebrews, the 12th chapter, beginning at verse 3. Let me read that in your hearing here for just a moment. I'm reading Hebrews 12, verse 3. For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto sons. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Then he goes on down and says, verse 11, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them who were exercised by it. Now there are three distinct ways in which we may meet the chastening of our heavenly Father. We can despise it as though his hand and his voice were not in it. We can ignore God. We can despise it. Or we may faint under it. And when we do that, that's real defeat. Now, Job had done both of these, by the way. But we're to do what? We may be exercised by it. And it'll produce fruit of righteousness in our lives. Now, God does permit trouble to come to his own, and he chastens every son that he receives. So that is the great purpose that is back of what has been happening to this man Job. And God is going to bring it to a tremendous consummation. And we're going to move on there next time. Now, we didn't get very far today as far as the text is concerned. But I trust that we've seen a great truth here. For this is so all important for many of God's dear children at this time. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. That was a great message. In case you missed one of the three ways that we can respond to the chastening of our Heavenly Father, let me quickly review Dr. McGee's list. One, we can despise and ignore God's chastening. Two, we can faint under it. 
that is to just give up because it's too much, or three, we can be trained by it. That's when we learn the lessons that God has for us and it produces the fruit of righteousness in our lives. If you want to learn more about Job's trials and what we can learn from them, visit ttb.org and download Dr. McGee's free digital booklet titled Job, A Man Stripped Bear. Or if you missed maybe a message in our study of Job and you want to listen to any of them again, you can do that really simply by going to ttb.org. Or if you missed a message in our study of Job and maybe you want to listen to any of them again or maybe you want to jump ahead, whatever, great way to do that is by downloading our app from either one of the app stores, Google Play or the Apple Store. And if you'd like to have all of Dr. McGee's five-year messages available at your fingertips, then I suggest you visit the online store at ttb.org and check out our Bible Bus flash drive. Beyond the messages, you're going to have access to more than 100 of Dr. McGee's digital booklets and his complete notes and outlines for all of our studies. Again, you can order it at ttb.org or call 1-800-65-BIBLE. And we'll be happy to answer your questions and help you place your order. Now, as far as our study of Job, Elihu has had some interesting things to say, but does he really have the answer that Job's looking for? We'll find out next time as we continue to make our way through the Bible. Our journey on the Bible bus today is supported by the prayers and gifts of fellow passengers as we travel through the Bible.